Welcome to Pricing After Dark, the podcast in which an economist answers pricing questions from business owners, product managers, and freelancers just like you. Today's question is as follows. We're trying to figure out how we should implement tiered pricing at our consulting company. Can we just have different prices for different sizes of customers? This is a great question, but before we jump into an answer, let's take a look at what tiering actually is. Tiering is an admission that a one-size-fits-all approach to pricing is inefficient. Shoppers who are not willing to pay a given price will simply refuse to buy. Shoppers who would have been willing to spend more than a given price will wind up paying less than they otherwise would have. By offering goods and services at different prices, businesses can still earn money from frugal shoppers while at the same time obtain higher sums from their spendthrift comrades. There are two common approaches that firms use to create tiered offerings. Tiering by customer characteristics and tiering by offering characteristics. Your question relates to the former, so let's examine that option first. Many managers love the idea of tiering by customer characteristics because it requires relatively little in the way of analysis and decision making. All a firm's managers have to do is group their customers into a couple distinct buckets and assign a different price for each. There are a couple of ways to divide up one's customers, but here are the three that seem to be the most popular. By revenue, by profit, or by magnitude of outcome. Many people believe that the companies with the highest revenue are willing to pay the most money for a given offering. Unfortunately, this belief doesn't always hold true. There are many reasons for this, the most obvious being that there is no direct relationship between revenue and profit across industries. An aircraft manufacturer, for instance, may enjoy tremendous revenue, but spend the vast majority of it buying hardware from third parties. A software firm, on the other hand, may have far lower revenues, but be able to keep the majority of them as profit. Even firms within the same industry may have different cost structures due to organizational makeup, capital investments, and niche approach. For these reasons and many others, many firms have turned to using profit as the primary consideration. Unfortunately, it too is a flawed metric. A firm's profitability need not be proportional to its willingness to pay for a given item. I have no doubt that a local sawmill would pay far more for a system to manage sawdust than would Google, Facebook, and Netflix combined. Even within the same industry, needs can vary quite a bit. In the software pricing handbook, I wrote about the hoops that I had to jump through to expense a technical book while working for a very profitable Fortune 500 company. Let's just say that even if a business has plenty of profit, its individual departments might not have a single dollar to spare. Even if profits were a perfect metric, many firms would be hesitant to share their accounting records with their vendors. Many firms have realized the problems with tiering by revenue and tiering by profit and now attempt to tier by the potential for value deliverance. This will often be discussed under the guise of value pricing, a concept I delved into back in episode 3 of this very podcast. All things being equal, tying the price of one's offerings to the benefit that customers receive seems fair and tends to align the incentives of both parties. Assuming the method requires minimal invasive investigation and monitoring costs, which may not be a realistic presumption, it might work well. However, it can be difficult to offer it on a large scale. 
Further, customers who cross thresholds between pricing tiers may feel as though they are being charged much more for what is essentially an unchanged offering. The discontinuity of pricing between packages may challenge the notion of incentive alignment, as the vendor may choose to focus on pushing its customers into the next higher bracket, rather than helping its customers to achieve their long-term goals. Finally, even when a vendor's assessment of value is right on the mark, the estimation may not be shared by potential buyers. Even if both parties agree on a dollar value for a presumed value, other factors such as opportunity costs, cash flow, and financial liquidity may reduce the amount of money that a shopper is willing to exchange for the seller's offering. So let's look at tiering by offering characteristics. It turns out that letting shoppers make vendor-influenced decisions involving return on investment and value requires a lot less work and has the potential to yield greater profits. While I wouldn't suggest asking customers directly what they think an offering is worth or allow them to set their own prices, sellers can provide an array of options with increasing levels of value and price. Shoppers are then able to select the packages that best meet their needs without any risky guesswork required on the part of the vendor. Let's take a look at an example from a car wash. This particular car wash has three service tiers at increasing levels of cost. A simple wash would cost $8, a wash and wax would cost $15, and a wash, wax, and detailing would cost $75. This style of tiering is all about contingencies. If a shopper thinks that one offering is too expensive, he can drop down to a less costly one rather than simply walk away. Similarly, if a customer sees value in a higher offering, he can jump up to the next level. Firms with a bit of sales skill might even be able to convince interested shoppers to jump to a higher level of service. Granted, this system isn't perfect. With unlimited time and unlimited information, two assumptions that are givens in most economic textbooks but rare in the real world, a firm could probably come up with personalized offerings that would generate higher levels of profit. Nevertheless, this form of tiering by offering provides an effortless system for addressing a variety of customers with a variety of needs. Monitoring and compliance costs under this system are eliminated, as is any hint of perverse incentives in how customers will be serviced. Even more important for the vendor, this tiering scheme provides the opportunity for beachheads. Risk-averse customers can purchase the lowest tier offering with an eye to buying the detailing service in the table above, if and only if they are satisfied with a basic washing package. By offering the opportunity to receive a small bit of service at a relatively low cost, a vendor can dramatically increase its pricing power when it comes time to speak about the more expensive offerings. This is because the seller has reduced the presence of uncertainties in the buyer's minds. Although the car wash example utilizes a bundling strategy in which additional items are added at each successive tier, other methods can be used as well. I provided detailed examples of how a t-shirt vendor could use offering-based price tiering to improve the profitability of his business in a previous episode of this podcast. So in conclusion, tiering is a powerful means of appealing to many types of buyers with different abilities and willingnesses to pay. Although there are always exceptions, I'd suggest that firms look to offer-based tiers rather than customer-based tiers as a simple and first approach. The more options that you can provide to a given customer, the more options he'll have to say yes. 
Thanks for listening to Pricing After Dark. If you'd like to learn more about pricing, monetization, and how your business can improve its profits, head over to my website at toprun.com. You can subscribe to my free email course, read through my writings, and even contact me for a consult.